Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our lives. We ask that you just please allow us to receive your word today. Let us understand what you want us to do, God. Show us what you need us to do so that we can live a life that is favorable to you, God. Um, I ask that you just continue to give us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace, God. Fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Let us accept the voice of your Holy Spirit. Let us be led into righteousness through the power of your Holy Spirit, God. And let the people that don't understand, understand you. Let us all be able to commune with you, God. I just thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for filling me up. I ask that you just lead me in this discussion. Allow me to be able to deliver your word today in a way that is edifying to the hearer. And also encouraging to those that feel hopeless or feel with despair so father god i just pray that you allow us to retain your word let it stay hidden in our hearts so i plead the blood of jesus over your word today god let me be able to talk about everything that i need to don't let me forget anything allow me to plant and water seeds in the lives of those that are hearing but most importantly god please allow your will to be done not our will, not anyone else's will for our life, but your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your tongue and blood. Amen. Hey, 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 everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. And so um, I apologized about the other day. I wasn't able to get online on Tuesday, but hopefully I'll be able to make up for that lost time today. Um. So, the trending topic is women's health. Now, although I've been talking a lot about women's health, it does also apply to the way women is engaging and also understanding their position, including the position of the male. So, women's health have a lot to do with the way that you perceive things, your behavior, your reaction to, to things in life, your experiences. And how they are shaping your belief systems. So I'm going to just get right into the word today. Okay, let me go ahead and share my screen. If you have any questions, please go ahead and put them in the Q&A. I'll be sure to respond to them there. If you are on any of the Audible apps, like iHeartRadio or Amazon, Spotify, Apple, or Podbean, any one, any app that you're on, just go ahead and put a comment. And I'll be sure to respond to you there. So let's get started. I'm going to share my screen and just get really right into the word. Okay. So if you all can go to your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. Luke 5, 15 through 16. And it says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses but jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed so this scripture was it's so powerful right when you think about it um so the news of jesus christ has spread around 
And so many times today you hear the word of God being spread. You hear people talking about God. You hear people trying to um, encourage you through the Bible and just speak about the word of God. So, you know, and, and this is this is news in a way for you to feel inspired. It isn't like you're watching like CNN News or Fox News or the reading the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal where you're going to get like news that's going to make you feel overpowered. Like, oh, I just live in a bad neighborhood, you know, like, oh, it's so depressing, you know. So when you hear the word of God, the word of God is only going to inspire you it is going to uplift you now some people may say well you know it depends on how you're inspired you know because some things in the bible if you are living a life that isn't like fully up to par with what god wants you to do you might not be inspired you might feel conviction so the problem is is that going through life and not feeling convicted about things that are unethical. So a lot of times people are just cruising through life, just doing everything that is pleasing to them and disregarding the rest, but not feeling bad about how you made somebody feel or not feeling convicted in your heart about asking for forgiveness for a betrayal that you did. So the problem is, is that when we keep on making mistakes over and over and over again, and you don't have conviction in your heart. So how can God really truly work in your life if you lack conviction? Oh, you know what I did? It was okay. I don't, I don't feel bad about it. That was cool. You know, you sit up there and you, um, you cause all these problems in your friend's life and you didn't even care about it you didn't stir it up all this stuff at church and you didn't even care about it you cheated on your wife or your your husband or your uh, your wife and now you don't even care about it you don't feel any type of conviction for your behavior you went out here and you robbed somebody because you didn't even care about it you burglarized somebody's house because you didn't even care about it People are in this world doing things that are wrong and unethical because they lack conviction in their heart. So the problem is, is that, yes, the word of God can inspire a lot of people. As we see in Luke 5, 15 and 16, the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So what about the people that were sick but didn't want to listen to Jesus? They probably was at home doubting, like, oh, well, I'm not, and there's no point of going. But the people who went to Jesus, they they got healed of their illnesses and their sicknesses, everything, right? So you have to ask yourself, what type of person goes to God to be healed? Well, that person is going to be somebody that is going to have a conviction in their hearts. You, you you can't go around, well, you can't go around not feeling convicted. But then the more you do that, the more your heart turns into stone. Or better yet, let's say in layman's terms, the more and more you turn cold. So in order to be able to progress, 
in your walk in the kingdom of God in righteousness, you have to have a level of conviction in your heart. You should feel convicted about betrayal. You should feel convicted about infidelity in your marriage. You should be convicted about stealing. You should be convicted about every single thing that is unethical and wrong and evil. But some people say, well, what are you defending as evil? That's like sort of, that's a question that some people really don't know the answer to. Because they feel that what they're doing is not evil. They feel that what they're doing is right. Hey, look, they have to go steal in order to provide for their family. Or, you know, they're unhappy in their marriage, so they had no other choice but to go and commit infidelity. Like, ah, you know, I'm just tired of him. I had to go cheat. Oh, I'm sick of her. She nag all day. I just couldn't deal with it no more. You know, so those things are what really, those things are unethical. Those things are wrong. They are not good. They are evil. And so people justify a, a means to their ends by saying, okay, well, I had to do this because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to stay in my marriage or I had to do that because I didn't have any money. So they had to go and steal. They had to do all of these different things. Besides call upon the name of the Lord. Besides seek God in their time of need. We see that people here are hearing about the widespread news of the widespread news of Jesus. And so now they are going to be healed of their sicknesses. They are coming. Crowds of them are coming. And it says in verse 16, this is really interesting because it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Ha! This part right here, when I often up there, now today I was just like listening to the Bible early this morning and I'm sitting there like, okay, so God, if, so if, okay, so there's a couple scriptures that need to correlate to this one before I go into like a long in-depth explanation, all right? So let's go to this scripture. I want to go to, um. Okay, so we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, the first verse, verse 1, it says, So try to be like God because you are his own dear children. Okay, so wait, this is the worldwide English uh, translation. So I've never read that, but that sounds pretty good. But I'm going to go to what is the basically the generalized translations. And that's the King James. Actually, let me just pull this up. Ephesians 5 and 1. I'll pull up Ephesians 5 and 1 in Bible Hub. And that way I'll, I'll read off a bunch of different translations. Just to make it more effective to understand. So, oops. I went back to Bible Gateway. One second. Okay, Bible Hub. Here we go. 
So Ephesians 5 and 1, this is what it says. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. This is the New International Version. The New Living Translation says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. The English Standard Version says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Isn't that good? So far, we gotta we have to imitate God, right? Um, and follow God, basically. So the King James Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. The Amplified Bible says, Therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well, beloved children. Imitate their father. So this is so interesting. I, I, I like this verse. But this isn't the only verse that talks about being like God or imitating God. So when you imitate, let's look up, let's let's look up the um hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the strong concordance. And so we're gonna look this up to fully understand what this scripture is saying here. So the Sean's Concordance, let me explain this for a second. It's basically the Hebrew scrolls and the Greek translation of the Holy Bible. The Old Testament of the Bible is written in Hebrew scrolls. The New Testament is written in Greek. And so the Strong's Concordance basically have like almost, or I, I believe it's over a hundred different uh, scholars that actually interpret about that. Um, hopefully you all can hear me. My phone is keep ringing. Um, so the, the Bible is translated in Hebrew and also in Greek. So you have the Strong's Concordance to have about a hundred different scholars that translate the Bible for us in English and many other different translations, right? So, for instance, if we look at the name Jesus, Jesus' name is also Joshua or uh, Yahweh, right? Or Yah. So, people, they define different words differently depending on the translation. And so, we have to go back to the Strong's Concordance and analyze it from the King James Bible because it is closely relevant, closely matched to the Hebrew scrolls and the Greek translation of the Holy Bible. So the Bible is written in two different Testaments. One, the Old Testament is from the book of Genesis to Malachi. The New Testament is from Matthew to Revelation. So the first, first um, five books in the Bible is considered the Torah, which is basically like the law. Okay, so you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That is where you can find the law, right, from God. Um, and that's the Old Testament. So the New Testament, you have the first four books of the Bible, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the considered the Gospels. And it talks about the life of Jesus and what he did when he was here. Okay, so moving forward to fully understand this is, when you want to understand a word either in Hebrew or in Greek, you go to the Strong's Concordance, you type that word in, but you have to type it from the defaulted translation, which is the King James Bible. So for this um, scripture, Ephesians 5 and 1, once I type in the name followers, 
it's going to pull up every instance when the word followers were mentioned in the Bible. So, for instance, let me go ahead and type in the word Christian. Hold on one second. I typed it too fast. Okay, so the word Christian is actually only written in the Bible twice. Um, I actually thought it was three times. So the word Christian is written in the book of Acts 26 and verse 28. And in 1 Peter 4 and chapter 6. I'm sorry, chapter 4 and verse 16. So we see that the word Christian is only mentioned twice in the Bible. Okay, so don't mistake in. That this term is widely used on a regular basis in so many different religions. But just remember that God isn't a God of confusion. So religion is a, a aspect that tries to attempt to confuse people. So God is our God is not a God of confusion. Just remember that in order for you to understand what you need to know in the word, you need to read it in order to understand and interpret it. So allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and into your life and lead you in the way that you should go. So yes, the word Christian is mentioned in the Bible, but it isn't predominantly used as much as it is being used in today's society. It's only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. So now going back to Ephesians chapter five, verse one. So the King James Bible, it says specifically, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So let's look up the word followers. Let me make sure it was plural and not singular. So that says followers. So it's plural. All right. So now let's see how many times this word was mentioned in the Bible. So we have the word followers mentioned eight times in the Bible. So they're, they all have the same meaning. So let's look at the Strong's number. And since we're in the book of Ephesians, um, this is going to be translated in Greek. So it looks like each time the word followers were mentioned in the Bible is in the New Testament. That's after the book of, from, from Malachi to the book of Revelation. So it means, a follower means to imitate, imitator. It is Strong's number 3402. It is pronounced, I'm a hope, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, okay? Because my native language is not Greek, but I'm going to try to pronounce it. So it is pronounced, memaetes. Mema, I think it's, it's memaetes, memaetes, I think. Okay, it's spelled M-I-M-E-T-E-S, but it's pronounced as M-I-M-A-Y-T-A-C-E. So that's mimitase or mimitase or something like that. And it means to imitate, imitator, follower. And so in all of the instances when this word follower is talked about, it is mentioning, it is mentioned in the New Testament. And the Strong's number is all equivalent, which is 3402. That's the Strong's number. But there is another scripture that I would like to go to. It says, um, let, me, let me get there. So we're going to go to Ephesians 4 and 24. In this scripture, it says, and to put on the new self created to be like God 
and true righteousness and holiness. Okay. The New Living Translation says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The English Standard Version says, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. The King James Bible says, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The Amplified Bible says, and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature, created in God's image, God-like, and the righteousness of holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. And so what this means is, once you put on the new self, you're going to be like God, which is righteous. You're going to be like God, which is righteous and holy. So let's look at this word. Now, when you think of the word righteousness, some people think like without error, without mistake. So in prior weeks, I talked about the word perfect. And so the word perfect in Hebrew, it, it is pronounced tam, which means to be mature in nature and in action. But when you look in the Strong's, uh, when you look in the um, Merriam Dictionary, it means what? It means to be without fault, without error. Basically, like you're perfect, without blemish. That is what perfect means according to the dictionary. But the word of God doesn't define it that way. Not according to the Strong's Concordance. And so it means to be mature. Perfect means to be mature in nature and in action. That is the Hebrew word for it. And so what this means is that when we are looking at righteousness and holiness, God wants us to be like him in righteousness and holiness. But since we are, our flesh has condemned us. So we needed the blood of Jesus in order to sanctify us. So our flesh is always in constant battle with the spirit of God. And it's like, okay, when you are perfect, according to the Hebrew translation, which is means to be mature. So you're mature in your walk with Christ, right? And so as you grow into this maturity, you are going to be like God, having righteousness and true holiness. This is what the King James Bible tells us. So when does this happen? How does it happen? Well, we can't go around deceiving ourselves. We can't go around, you know, not being honest about things. Right? So we have to put on the new man. And sometimes putting on a new person that God has created you to be. It can sometimes be challenging when you want to get upset or when you want to snap on somebody. Some people go out here and they curse a person out. That's all they know how to do. I'm just going to go out here and tell her about herself. I'm going to go out here and tell him about himself. I'm going to say what's on my mind. And it's like, wait, okay. 
I want to make sure that I'm putting on a new self that don't go out and say what's exactly on my mind. But I want to be able to say what's on my mind and it be something good that is on my mind. So how do we do that? Well, we got to put on the new self. So let's look up what the what let's look up what the King James Bible talks about and how once you put on the new man, which is after God, is create excuse me, is created in righteousness and true holiness. So let's look up the word righteousness. So the word righteousness is written in the Bible 289 times. So since we are looking in Ephesians, let's look in Ephesians 4. That's what that's the that's what we have to go to. Now there are a lot of different translations of the word righteousness. Actually, there are 13 different translations of the word righteousness. So, if we go to Ephesians, we need to find the lexicon Strong's number in Ephesians. So, moving forward here. So, we are in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. This is going to be Strong's number 1343. It is pronounced uh, Dikeosone. Okay, what it means is equity of character or act, justification in righteousness, equity. You see that equity, you have equity within yourself when you have righteousness. So let's look up the word holiness. Holiness. So the word holiness is written in the Bible 43 times. It has six different translations of the word holiness. And so we're going to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. And so what this says is, let's see if it's here. Yep, right here. Okay, so. Um, this actually doesn't even have the Strong's number. Um, so just give me one second. Let me look. So I need to look this word up. So it is actually Strong's number 41. It, it the transliteration um is pronounced Hagiotes. Hagiates. Hagiates. It means to sanctify into holiness, sanctify as an abstract quality. So in a moral sense, holiness allows God to sanctify you. Now, when you go further into that, 
sanctification is going how do you how do you get sanctified the way that you get sanctified is when you allow the conviction to fall upon your heart the problem is is that people walk around without conviction they walk around without conviction somebody helped you do something you're not convicted that you didn't say thank you they gave you a forewarning you didn't even say thank you you're not even convicted in your heart for that someone did something nice to you someone paid your bill they took you out to eat someone allowed you to you know um to get promoted into a new department and then you lacked appreciation we have to feel convicted in our hearts when things are unethical when they are wrong where is your conviction everyone seems to walk around and lack conviction not everyone just the people that has a lack of understanding of what righteousness and holiness is god wants us to be able to be sanctified because see our flesh has condemnation but through the blood of jesus we have life and salvation and so we have to deny what we feel in our flesh by just saying okay it is not okay for me to walk in unforgiveness it is not okay for me to always say, oh, I'm going to get this person a piece of my man. I'm going to tell him like it is. But see, your flesh says, okay, let me just do that. I'm going to tell him like it is. But God is saying, no, don't do that. That's your old self. Don't be, don't snap on nobody don't do that don't go out here starting it don't go out here fighting don't go out here stealing don't go out here doing nothing don't go out here committing infidelity don't go cheat on your wife don't go cheat on your husband but guess what people are still doing it and they're justifying their actions so the the opposite of sanctification is justifying your means you're trying you try to justify your wrong so that you can continue on doing what you're doing god cannot sanctify people that do that so if we are to be like god like the bible tells us we need to understand what it means to be mature and it's not saying oh okay see the, the word says that we are to be perfect what do you mean perfect perfect means mature so you need to understand what the word perfect is you need to understand what god's will is for your life you need to understand what god's plan is for your life nothing is by coincidence god allows everything to happen for a reason I've learned that throughout my life, 40 years. 
almost 40 years, I've learned that everything happens for a reason. What is God trying to say to you in this situation? How is God speaking to you through your experience? How is God speaking to you through your pain, your suffering, through your lack of support? How is God speaking to you? What is God saying to you in your circumstance? Because God does speak. But can you hear his voice? So, going back to Luke chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. So we see that there are a lot of people in this world that went when they heard about Jesus and they started going in crowds around Jesus to be healed of sickness. But see, a person that's already living life that don't allow conviction to enter into their heart, they're not going to need Jesus for nothing. Why would they need Jesus when they don't want to go to Jesus? They say they love Jesus, but they're not going to him to be healed. They're not going to Jesus to get healed of their sicknesses, to get healed of their pain, to get healed of a marriage that had infidelity, to get healed of their situations. They're calling everybody else except God. How do you propose life is going to be different or favorable when you call everyone else except god life happens life still happens when you call on god so life will happen whether you call god and life problems will continue to happen when you don't call on God. So why not take God along with you on your journey? We have to say to ourselves, I'm including God today in my choices. I'm including God today in my decisions. I'm including God in my life. I'm not making a decision without God. I'm not making a choice without God. So in verse 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. How are you when you are alone? Are you taking God with you when you don't have anyone. Are you inviting God into your life? Are you inviting God to in conversations? 
Or are you just making plans without the power of the Holy Spirit? How long can you continue to make plans without the power of God? So Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And so we have to go, if we are to be like God in righteousness and holiness as followers of Christ, we need to withdraw from the things of this world to lonely places and pray. That is what the Bible says that Jesus did. We should be going into lonely places and pray. I get on, go in my room and I get on my knees and I pray. Nobody else is in the house. I pray in the bathroom. I'm praying. You, we have to set up these spaces where we are communicating with God. So go to Luke 5 and 37 through 39. So it says, and no man put it new wine into old wine bottles. Oh, before I read this, I wanted to go to the blog and then I'll go back to that. So um, there's an article that talks about the effective therapy with black women. And so this article... Um, it discusses how therapists misinterpret that black women clients are, um, as strong because of their biases. So being able to understand that black women are innately strong interferes with them receiving effective therapy. So black women endure so much racism, sexism, and biases to race and gender that causes them to automatically become resilient. So this is something that I let me let, describe this further. So black women, when they're going through so much adversity, so much um, pain, so much struggle, so much uh, racism, sexism, and then all of these biases of race and their gender, it automatically makes them strong people. That includes me because I am a black woman. So the misinterpretation is that according to the American Psychological Association is that black women are automatically strong. They're automatically resilient. They're innately just, uh, you know, very, very um, focused individuals. And so with us having these qualities of resilience, it disallow psychologists or therapists to be able to fully effectively help strong black women because they are automatically perceived by a psychologist by a, th a therapist as being strong because we've overcome so many barriers and overcoming so many obstacles and overcoming all of these different things that we are automatically viewed as resilient we are automatically viewed as strong. 
without diving any deeper into the emotional numbness or the stressing of microaggressions and the fact that many African-Americans are enduring racism, sexism, and these gender inequalities. So all of these things can interfere with black women getting successful therapy. So what this article talked about, here's the article here. This article was um, published by Stephanie Pappas. Um, it's volume 52, number eight, uh, print version, uh, page 38 of the American Psychological Association. Okay. It is called Effective Therapy with Black Women. All right. And so what the article places emphasis on is basically the intersectionality um it cross references the mental health with health disparities amongst black americans right compared to white americans black women and um the their life expectancy compared to those that are non-hispanic white women or you know other races and so what uh, the intersectionality is basically, it identifies where this problem meets that problem. So for instance, how does education, how does education correlate with crime? That's an X and Y axis of identifying intersectionality of an issue. So how does a person that lack education correlate with them going out and committing crime? It's the same way with identifying these mental health and health disparities amongst African-American women. So it identifies the intersectionality of it by saying, okay, the, the mental health is here. The health disparities are here. This is where it's cross-referencing. And so basically the, the article focuses on um african-american women being able to discuss racism openly also it um encourages that uh psychologists to be able to discuss enslaved black people it also discusses on um building communities reshaping communities prayer and god right all of these things is something that psychologists need to pay attention to in order for them to correlate and understand the health disparities amongst the African-American strong black women. So the lack of being able to discuss racism openly, the lack of enslaved black people, the, uh, the lack of discussion surrounding, I'm going to just say the lack of discussion surrounding uh, racism openly, enslaved black people, building communities, reshaping communities, and prayer in God, all of these have been lacking conversations with So it also talks about avoiding confrontations. For instance, it says in Luke 13, in Luke 13, let's go to Luke 13. Luke 13, 10 through 17. 
So, Jesus, he heals a crippled woman on the Sabbath. So, let's read this scripture. It says, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. So, some people will avoid confrontation. But we are to do good because it is the right thing to do. Jesus healed the woman because it was the right thing to do. It wasn't because the, the religious Pharisees said, okay, go ahead and heal on the Sabbath. They didn't want Jesus healing on the Sabbath because they were religious. It's about practicing what the law says. Not about the, the healing power of God. That's the way that they were talking. That's the way that they were acting. So many people or many psychologists, what they will try to attempt to do is avoid confrontation. That isn't a good approach to take because you have to be able to do good because it is the right thing to do. So even if it causes a confrontation with Jesus healing on the Sabbath, that does not matter because the religious Pharisees were what? Confrontational with Jesus about healing on the Sabbath. In the same aspect, we have to say, okay, as a psychologist, we have to be willing to confront certain ideologies of African-American women that is preventing them from moving forward. And in order to do that, in order to appeal to the needs of African-American women, one must first take the approach of identifying what it is that is hindering them and confront that situation. We should not fully avoid confrontation. Jesus healed on the Sabbath because it was the necessary thing to do. He knew that he knew that he probably would be attacked by religious Pharisees. But it's important to still confront the situation so we have to do good 
because it is the right thing to do, even if that means it's confrontation. Next, we need to take ownership and accountability. So let's go to Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, in order for us to be able to take accountability, African-American women, as well as psychologists, really, really need to be able to come to a consensus. And that consensus is this. It isn't about how resilient African-American women are. It isn't about how strong African-American women are. What it's really about is saying, look, I understand that you're resilient and I know that you're strong, but what is it that is stopping you from fully, fully being vulnerable? Because we know that there's a correlation between strong black woman syndrome or superwoman schema with African-American women having a lack of vulnerability. So psychologists, what they should be doing is simply saying, look, they need to take ownership and accountability. The reason why they cannot provide help to the African-American women is because they are lacking in ownership and lacking in accountability. You can't always assume that a person is always going to be able to be resilient and to be strong. So, African-American women need to make sure that you're taking ownership and accountability for your lack of being vulnerable, your lack of compromise, your lack of support, your lack of openness. So next, we're going to look at supporting the family. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Genesis 2 and 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This scripture right here should be maintained throughout all of the households of people that believe in God. The Lord Jesus Christ specifically is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is only one God, one Lord and one savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. So if you believe in God, you have to believe in his scripture. You have to believe in the entire Bible. You can't pick and choose and say, okay, well, see, I like that verse, but I don't like this one. Because this one ain't working. I like this other verse. 
Because, see, I can agree with that verse. That other verse, that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. Yeah, that's going to be hard. And, see, if, you, if you're open with yourself, then God can use you. Because it's like, okay, wait, wait, you know. God, I know that, that that's going to be a hard scripture to follow, but I know I can do it through you, God. So you can't pick and choose any of this. So if it says that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. It didn't say the man leaves his father and mother is and is united unto his husband. It didn't say is united until his neighbor is united until his friends is united until these people, whoever. It says he is united unto his wife and they become one flesh. Period. There is no justification to this. This is what the word of God says. This is simply what the word of God says. You can't twist the word to say what you wanted to say. You can't shape it to say something else. You can't make it say, oh, a man leaves his father and mother and is united unto his husband. You can't make it say that. That's not what it says. It doesn't say a woman leaves her father and mother and is united unto his wife. It doesn't say that. It says a man leaves his father and mother as and you is united unto his wife and they become one flesh. So if you say you believe in the Bible, you have to believe it all. There's no picking choosing what you choose to believe. So I'm going to move forward in that. So support the family. Let's go to Proverbs. We're going to go to Proverbs 10 and 31. Oh, okay, so this is actually very, very long passage. But this is a virtuous wife. And let me go over this. I think I should have some time to go over a virtuous wife. So it says, who can find a virtuous wife? So let's look up virtuous in a strong concordance. Oops, I didn't even mean to do that. Give me one second here. <sighs> I had a space in there. So Proverbs 31 and 10, virtuous. Virtuous is Strong's number 02428. We're going to denote the zero in front of the two. It doesn't mean anything. So it should be Strong's number 2428. It is pronounced Ka Yil. 
Kayil is virtues. Probably a force, whether a man, man, means, or other resources. An army of wealth. Virtue. Valor. Strength. Able. Activity. Army. Band of men and soldiers. Company. Great forces. Goods. Host. Might. Power. Riches. Strength. Strong. Substance. Valiant. Uh, train. Virtuous. War. Worthy. Worthily. So, it is pronounced Kayil, Strong's 2428. So, we see that virtuous is great, it's force, forces, goods, it's strength, substance, train, worthy, worthily. So, who can find a virtuous wife basically who can find a a strong wife who can find a a a, a host that they can trust who can find riches who can find strength who can find a substance a wife of substance, a wife of virtue, a wife of, of power. Who can find that? So for her work is far above rubies. So a real wife isn't going to be focused on rubies. Why would she be just for, oh, I want some diamonds. Oh, see, I want some pearls. Oh, see, I want this other car. Oh, I need my nails done. Oh, I need my hair. I need my car. I need my hair done. Oh, I need to go shopping. If that is how your days consist, that is not a virtuous wife. So for her worth is far above rubies. It is not nothing about a virtuous woman is nothing materialistic. She don't want a 50-bedroom house, okay? She's probably going to be thinking, what do I need 50 bedrooms for? Unless you're going to put 49 homeless people in there, then yeah. So verse 11, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. And see, we see this connection of trust with the wife and the husband. The husband can trust his wife. So it doesn't matter if she went to the grocery store. He knows she coming right back home. She not going to be easily enticed by the mailman or the man at the, the store. Or some guy that has a sports car or some guy at your job. He knows that he can trust his wife. No matter where she go, he knows he can trust her. So let's look up the word trust. So that way we can we can have a collective understanding of that word. Everyone defines love differently. Everyone defines trust differently.
so let's see so the word trust is in the bible 134 times Oops, I meant to go back. So you look in Proverbs 31. It is Strong's number out of Proverbs 31 and 11. It is pronounced Batak. Batak. It is Hebrew word Batak. It's Strong's number 982. It is a primitive root. It means properly to, to hide for refuge, but not so uh, figuratively to trust. Be confident or sure. Be bold. Confident, secure, sure, careless. One woman. Put confidence. Make two hope. Put make two trust. So that is what... Trust mean in this scripture. Confidence. Hope. So the heart of her husband safely trusts her. I can tell you this right now. And I am being so honest. I am being more honest than I could ever be in my life. So pretty much every situation I've been in in, in my marriage, my husband did not think I was cheating. Because it's no reason for me to. If I go to the store, I'm coming home after the store. If I go to school, if I go to school, I, I, if I go to work, I go to school after work. I come home after that. So it's about making sure that your husband can trust you and feel confident in his level of trust for you. So it didn't matter if there was 50 other men that was more successful than my husband. I didn't care about that. You can't influence me to want to be with you. Your socioeconomic status or level of income or your level of education, none of that means anything to me compared to my marriage. So I don't compare it. I make sure that my husband can know, guess what? You are the one that's, that I have my ass on. So it's like, you know, you want to be that woman that it doesn't matter where you go. Your husband can trust you. He knows that when you leave, you're coming back home. You're not staying out overnight. If he asks you to do something, you can do it and you can listen to him. You make him feel important. So a person like that, a man is going to be able to trust. Your husband can trust you. So he will have no lack of gain. He's always going to gain things being in a relationship with you because you are a contributor to your marriage. You are always going to encourage, uplift, support. It's like, uh-uh, babe. 
We are not defeated. We go from defeated to winning. We are winners over here. So he's always going to be gained. He's going to gain something. He's going to gain something. Spiritually, physically, he's going to be able to gain what he needs to. Because that's what a virtuous woman is going to do. If you can't get your line service, okay, well, what else would you like to do? Would you like a mechanic shop? Okay, well, let me look up some of the mechanic places where you can get a license to be a mechanic. So it's always searching for that, that new thing for your husband to obtain, not just staying stuck and, and you walking around with a defeated attitude. She's not going to have a defeated attitude. She's going to make sure that, look, we're going to go from this step to this step and we're going to make this work in the name of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if he believes in God or not, because you as a sanctified wife will bring holiness to your marriage. So just tell him about God anyway. So I used to tell my husband about God anyway, even though he was Muslim. Even though my other husband, he, he was atheist. I still tell him about God. I'm going to still talk about God. I'm going to still mention God. I'm going to still pray over them. I'm going to pray over our food. I'm still going to pray every day. So you have to understand that he will lack, he will have no lack of gain being in that relationship with you. So a lot of times people, they, they, they was, they used to say like, um, Your husband, he always did good with you. So those are the type of compliments you get. Like he always do good with you. Y'all are always doing good. Y'all, you guys are so successful. Y'all always self helping somebody. So this is just basically some of the focus of a virtuous wife. She's going to focus on the things that can cause progress in her marriage not focusing on rubies or material things focusing on clothes and shoes and purses so those are the things that some women focus on but those are not the things that a virtuous wife will focus on so she is far more than rubies. She's not focusing on those things. She's not going to care about shoes and, and, and purses and cars and houses over making sure that her husband is not, not lacking in progress. So he will have no lack of gain. He's always going to be be doing good with her he can trust her because he knows that she's not going anywhere verse 12 she does not she does him good and not evil all the days of her life so it doesn't matter if he cheated on you you understand that okay well my husband have a sex addiction I still love you with your sex addiction. Now, if it's extreme, like unethical, unethical, now, you know, you, you can't deal with that. 
But if these things are resolvable at the church level through prayer, you know, you are not going to just give up because you, you love your spouse. So you are going to do good and not evil all the days of her life. That's what it says. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. So I, if I don't want to see other people do bad, I definitely don't want to see my husband doing bad. And I'm actually divorced from my husband. We've been divorced for a long time. And I still want to see him do good. I don't care who he is we're in a relationship with. I want to see both of them do good. And then my, my son over there, I'm going to make sure all of them doing good. What bills you need paid? What do you need help with? How can I put food in your house? How much money you need for food? What do you need? So make sure that they doing good, even though I'm not there. I'm not in a marriage with him. My kids is there. He's there. You understand? So if he does good, my children will do good. If he needs help, I'm still going to help. Because that's just a, a genuine quality that is in me as a woman. I don't go over there saying, oh, see, uh-uh. See, he got a girlfriend. Who cares if he has a girlfriend? I pray that they, they stay happy. Now, can I say the same thing about the girlfriends he date? No, I don't know. I don't think so. They probably think about me too much. So talk about me a little bit too much because I've been told this by several people. And I've addressed that issue. So if I'm talking about it here, I've already addressed it to them. And we still cool. So I don't have any woman that's genuinely good. And you genuinely like seeing people do good. There is going to be nothing that can interfere with you want to, wanting to see other people be successful. And it doesn't matter who it is. So if you're that way with other people, you're definitely going to be like that in your marriage. But if you're a spiteful person and you're just, you know, you, you just do, you always gossiping. You always stirring up friction. You always have something negative to say then most likely the probability of your behavior is it going to be good or is it going to be evil? So you really have to analyze yourself. I really believe in taking a self-reflexive type of approach to things. Sometimes I don't always do that. And I am very intentional about it. I'll be like, um, no, I didn't learn anything from that situation. Absolutely not. Why would I? And it's like, okay, why am I being stubborn when I need to talk about how I contributed to the problem of this situation? And it's like, okay, well, I know in my mind I did contribute by being debative, combative, arguing not focusing on the solution rather than just okay steady steady focusing on the other person's actions when i could have really really been focusing on resolving it 
So, you know, taking accountability is about how we support the family. You have to, in order to support the family, you need to take ownership and accountability. You can't avoid confrontations. So in verse 12, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. It's because you are going to love your spouse even with you knowing that he has a sex addiction. And yes, he likes other women. Does God want you to stay in that marriage or does God want you to divorce? You have to ask God that. I'm going to leave that up to some of you women that are listening please put them in the comments okay and i'll i'll allow the comments to get posted onto the blog um in verse 13 she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands so some women that you know wool and flax you basically working hard and doing what you have to do for your family some women don't they don't just do manual labor a lot of times in today's society a lot of women are working from home or they're out here uh being ceo some of them are vice presidents of organizations so a lot of women now are working with their hands you know just doing a lot of um a lot of work within their organization that they're employed with or the their business so she's always working with her hands. In verse 14, she is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. So basically, no matter how far you got to go, you're going to make sure that your family eats. You're going to make sure of that. You're going to look for discounts. You're going to make sure that, you know, that it's always food. You're going to make sure that you praying over your family. You praying over your kids. You praying. You doing what you have to do for your family. So it's, she is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. So the food that you eat are the, is the word of God. Eat and get full on the word. Keep on eating till you get full. And then eat some more of the word of God constantly constantly understanding what the word of god is saying constantly constantly being in prayer okay your husband he doesn't believe in god well you are sanctified your by your beliefs in god you're bringing sanctification to that marriage you chose to marry him now you have to deal with the his unbelief and so the way you deal with that is you continue to be holy and righteous in your marriage you continue to pray over him you continue to pray for your husband all the time you that's like if you were uh praying for unbelieving children or unbelieving friends or unbelieving family members you should be praying just as much for an unbelieving husband as you would anyone else so she of course, so she she is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She is going to get the wisdom of God. She's going to make sure her family is eating. Because the wisdom of God is going to make sure that she's being able to do that for her family. In verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants. So 
you're gonna make sure that everyone in your household is ready you're gonna make sure the kids ready for school your husband's stuff is ready for work your little brothers your little cousins whoever living in your house everybody's gonna be prepared for the next day it's like come on kids time to wake up you gotta go to school and so now for instance with me my kids are like they are emerging adults they are out of the house they are on their own right and so i send out like these encouraging like scriptures every day and so i had slacked uh the past few days but i talked to my son i had to keep it going so I sent out like different um, pamphlets to them through text message in a, like a family group chat. And I tried to give them, uh, I'm sort of like an accountability agent for them. So I tell them the good things that what they should do and staying focused and positive. So for instance, let me, I'll read one of them today that I wrote. um i think this is a good one i i don't know i i well i guess i can't read this one okay so i sent out a pamphlet well it's kind of like a little quote or whatever and so um it, it says this is what i sent this morning i said don't don't confuse busyness with productivity busy does not equal productive and so now i have to write a whole like little script for them because that's just how i do every time i send them something i have to let them know what i feel about this particular um like quote so i said never become a millionaire because of someone else why you should want to have a mind that produce multiple forms of income that will enable you to make millions billions or even trillions of dollars otherwise you'll need that someone else mind to help you reproduce learn and self-teach all the things you want to accomplish you become what you think of yourself your friends cannot give you advice past their level of success remember that in every situation include god in your choices and decisions unlearn things you think are important how do you know what those things are that you need to unlearn why do you need to know every bone in the body are you a doctor why do you need to know the planets are you a scientist so just because you know something doesn't mean you should every option may not always be a good option be teachable be trainable and at all times crave god's will how can making millions of dollars be beneficial to everyone you know or could it bring about their demise focus on things that will help transform your mind the holy spirit allows you to utilize more of your brain than being carnal minded romans 12 and 2 do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
So that's what I said to my kids this morning. I know it's kind of long, but I'm always sending them stuff. And so the reason why I'm talking about this is because in Proverbs 31 verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants. So although my kids are not here in the house, guess what? My kids are still influencing the people that they are around. So it's important that I still encourage them every single day of their life. So as long as I'm here, they're going to always get inspiration from me every single day. And so that's what we have to do as virtuous women. Be inspiring, be encouraging to our children. So verse 16, it says, she considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. So she analyzes the things that need to be invested. She discusses, probably discusses those things with her husband. Like, okay, I think we should probably invest into chocolate. Well, it depends on when you're investing in chocolate. Chocolate is... Guess what? Chocolate is seasonal, like cookies and ice cream. So when are the most months where you can probably anticipate you're going to make the most money with chocolate? Well, Halloween and Mother's Day. Valentine's Day, these pagan holidays. But guess what? She considers a field and buys it from her profits. She plants a vineyard. So she's going to be able to know what's going on in the market for her and her family and know what to invest in. Because guess what? This virtuous woman, she not come on focus on no rubies or on no basketball wives of Hawaii. Okay. She's not focuses on the basketball wise of anywhere. She's focusing on profits for her family. So in verse 17, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. So always being regarded with the power of God, always being, you know, strong and having that, having that physique that she needs in order to maintain good health. Because guess what? The good health is going to inspire her children, her husband, everybody else around her. So you, when you walk with the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no way that other people can't be inspired by you. When people are around me, they just, they are inspired. Unless I just really am withdrawing back from you. Then you won't talk to me. I won't talk to you. But if God wants me to talk to you, I will. So what I'm trying to say is that everyone who comes around in your presence they are going to experience the power of God on the inside of you. 
There is no way that they could be around you and not feel the power that is coming out of you. So, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. So even when you sleep, you still got the power of God living on the inside of you. No matter where you are, you still have the power of God living on the inside of you. No matter where you go, people are still going to want to experience some of your conversation because the power that's on the inside of you is powerful. It is so powerful. And so God wants you to feel empowered. So just because it's nighttime, it doesn't matter when the power of God is still dominating in your life. When you have the power of God, you're going to walk with authority. People are going to know that you have that type of authority because you've been empowered. You've been equipped with the Holy Spirit. So in verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. So she's going to stretch out her hands. And God gives her the power. In verse 20, she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. So there is no way that she will want to see somebody hurt or struggling. Verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She's not going to be afraid of adversity. She's not afraid of the problem. She's not afraid of these issues. She's not afraid of anything. And she's definitely not afraid of no snow. Because her family is prepared. Her household is closed with scarlets. So in verse 22, she makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. So she's going to wear nice clothes. And modesty. And so that's something that I feel like I need to work on too. Like sometimes I just wear, I wear so many like comfortable clothes that with my shape, my shape is like round. And so it show a lot of round spots on my body, my, my, you know, buttocks, but the, the certain areas. And I just would really like to dress modestly, but you know, when I'm working out and I'm comfortable, it's like, I'm not going anywhere. So that is something that I would like to improve. What are some things you would like to improve? If there are some things you'd like to improve and work on, please put them in the comments or send me an email. We could talk about some of those things that you feel that we as women should be able to improve. So in verse 23, her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land. 
So her husband know people. Because he gets his advice from elderly people who have been here through going through experiences and have learned some of the things that they needed to. In verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. She's going to be trying to make a profit for her family. What wife do you know that don't want to make a profit for their family? If you always are spending, 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 when are you going to be able to bring in? So don't just be a spender. Be someone that uh, can produce income for your family. In verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Strength and honor. See, I like to say, a lot of times you hear so many people say, I'm a boss, or I'm a boss, and I'm a boss. Well, if you're a boss, you don't need to say you're a boss. Other people will say you're a boss. So if I'm powerful, I don't need to say I'm powerful. I already know I'm powerful. I have the Holy Spirit. That makes me powerful. So other people are already going to know. Star is strong. She's powerful. You have to give other people the chance to say what, what you are and what you're not. Don't boast. When you boast, you put your... You're setting yourself up in a way where other people's word can manifest over your life. Because now you're boasting about yourself when you should be boasting for the glory of God. Don't condemn yourself. Boasting is a way that allows condemnation to enter into your life. Don't be condemned through your boasting. If you're going to boast about anything, boast for the glory of God. So in verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. So when you speak, make sure that you speak in a way where you're talking about God, where people can come back and say, you know, that, that I was thinking about what you were saying. And see, I thought about that. And I thought about when you said this. And I thought about that. And I thought about when the spirit was speaking through you. So when you speak, speak with wisdom. When you're speaking with wisdom, nobody can actually do anything about that. When you're speaking with wisdom. Speaking with the power of God. Verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So making sure that your household is fully up to part. Yes, you know, it's like we raise our kids to be a certain way. Yes, we want our kids to, you know, have a certain moral compass. Have a certain uh, level of spiritual inclination in the relationship with God, but ultimately, we you have to understand that 
we all grow older someday and we have choice. So what this also means is watching over the ways of your household is making sure that you're praying for members of your household, even when they move out. You're in constant prayer, constant prayer for the ways of your household. You're not in con constant gossips with people about your family. You don't call the people and you gossiping about your family or they demise or how she messed up and he messed up. You don't do that. I'm talking to other people that do that. So 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. So you can have all the charisma, charm that you want. But the beauty will pass away and the charm will go away too. But your fear of the Lord shall be praised. So people know that you are believing in God because of your, your reverence for what the word of God says. You are obedient to God's word. You don't fornicate because you don't want to be disobedient to God. You don't steal because you don't want to disappoint God. You don't, you don't uh, keep all of your money to yourself. So you tithe and you give offerings. To keep the windows of heaven open of your life and to be obedient to God. You do this because of your fear of the Lord, not because of your fear of people. People can't do anything to you that God don't allow. Remember that people cannot do anything to you if God don't allow it. So if God allow you to go through an experience, what is he trying to show you in that experience? So charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. There is no way that you could go around and, and talk about God and fear the Lord and not receive recognition. You don't need to go around and, and blurt it out. I want recognition. You don't need no recognition that way. You're automatically going to get it. I don't need no recognition. I'm not concerned about the different adversities that I'm currently experiencing. Because guess what? God is going to take care of that. God has already taken care of it. So it's in my favor. I have the favor of God over me. I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I fear God more than people. So just because you may not be able to get the job you want or you can't get into the school that you want or because you you know your 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 family is messed up or this is happening so many different things that don't mean nothing. There is nothing that God can't accomplish. There is nothing.
God can accomplish all things. So that's who you need to be afraid of. You fear God because of his power. You fear God because he has the ultimate say. You fear God because he is supreme. He said, in order to get to the Father, you must come through the Son. Why are you risking your soul believing <coughs> in something else that's different than that? Yes, there are many polytheistic type of beliefs that have multiple gods. The Egyptian god, supposedly Egyptian god, is polytheistic. Polytheistic. It isn't monotheistic. It doesn't believe in one God. They have hundreds of different gods that they believe in and worship. So why risk your soul when the Bible says in order to get to the Father, you must come through the Son, which is Jesus Christ. So don't risk your soul. Fear the Lord. When the situation happens, it's like what my pastor said on Sunday. He said, look, God didn't give you that man because if you would have got that man, you would have been getting beat up at the top of your head. Or you would have contracted AIDS. Or you would have got a sexually transmitted disease. So be happy that God didn't give you exactly what you wanted. So in verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. See, it isn't about you receiving recognition from people. It isn't really about that. It's just about, look, you work hard, it's going to get recognized anyway. If you do good, it's going to get recognized anyway. It's inevitable. If I am a faithful wife, my husband can do nothing but brag about how faithful his wife is. If I'm a homebody, my husband is not going to do anything besides say, my wife is a homebody. She's not going anywhere. Every time all of her friends go out, She's not going anywhere because she doesn't want to go. So that's just the way that it is. Okay. So let me um go over a few other things here. So support the family. We support the family by being a virtuous wife. That is the goal. So if you're unmarried and you plan on getting married, try to make sure that you become a virtuous wife. Be prepared for your husband. Don't be an Eve. Now God has sent the husband your way. And now you're unprepared. You sitting up here discouraging him about his baby mama because you don't like her. How do you do stuff like that? 
You don't discourage your husband about his baby mama when a virtuous wife supports her husband in a way where he will have no lack of gain. That is in verse 11. Proverbs 31 verse 11. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. He has no lack of gain. He trusts his wife. He can depend on his wife to say, look, you had a baby, you know, before me, but that's okay. Let's work this situation out. You're not going to be the wife to tell him, oh, just forget about that girl. If she don't want you to do this and she doesn't want you to do that, then just pay the child support. No wife is going to do that. That isn't allowing that husband to have gain in his life. And some people may say, well, it is. It does. Because guess what? He's paying child support. Well, what about the lack of being able to communicate where two parents can co-parent without having to debate all the time? What do you think that does to the environment of that child that is growing up? Instead of a wife saying, oh, just forget it, pay child support. So just pay attention to the fact that in order to support the family, you really, really have to know what it means to support the family. I don't care how many kids my husband had, I'm going to take care of all of them. Because I love them kids. Even while he made mistakes. When he couldn't take care of them, I'm taking care of them. They're my kids now. I'm his wife. It's my responsibility. So do my husband, my ex-husband love me? Absolutely he do. He loved me even though I'm not married to him. Because guess what? When you show unconditional love to people, they will never forget that. But when that love isn't given back, that's why we're not together. Because you treat your wife as you treat your own body and you lovingly care for it. So moving forward in Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 33. Now, I talked about this the other day. So, this is still part of supporting the family. Wives need to sub submit yourselves unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So, now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So what we see here is each and every time the Bible talks about the church, it also mentions marriage. Because there's a direct correlation with a man leaving his father and mother and is united unto his wife and the church of Christ. So the church of Christ is the body. So we are 
members of the body, right? That's the body of Christ. That means it doesn't matter what geographical location you are, you are part of the membrane body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Jesus Christ. So this is so important to understand that this isn't your local church. This is the body of Christ. So whether you're in Dakar, Senegal, or you're in Zimbabwe, or you're in Japan, or you're in you're in China, or you're in the Netherlands, Netherlands or uh, Ireland, it doesn't matter where you are. When you believe in Christ and you have received salvation, you are part of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter about your geographical location. So every time the Bible talks about wives submitting us to your husbands, it talks about how the church submits to Christ. The church is the body. So wives should submit to their husbands and everything. The reason why is because condemnation came through woman. It couldn't come through man, it had to come through the help of man. So don't be that tool that's being used like Eve. Don't be that person. Don't be that woman. So husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless so in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself so some men they, they don't love themselves they have a lack of confidence, a lack of a lack of trust, a lack of uh, support. So they they have a lack of confidence. Or in order to combat those things, you know, verse twenty nine it says, "After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church." As you can see, God is continually to make this comparison with Christ and the church. So for we are members of the body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband and you so you see this is so important for us to understand what the word of god is saying to us so let's make sure that we keep an understanding of the word by trying to maintain the principles of the word of god and what he is saying to us so let me go ahead and pray Father God, I thank you so much for being able to deliver your word today. I ask that you allow us to become virtuous women. For all of the women that was listening, God, I pray that you allow us to become virtuous women and that you allow the men that were listening to become honorable husbands in a way that they have submitted themselves to you, Lord. And we women 
can submit ourselves unto our husbands. And so, God, I just thank you right now that your will be done in our life. We appreciate you. We thank you, God. We ask that your word will resonate in our lives. We ask that you allow every burden and concern to be laid at your throne of grace. We rebuke every word curse spoken against us in Jesus' name. And God, we ask that you allow us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So renew all of our minds, shaking and awaken every person in this world and renew our minds, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me. I will see you all tomorrow. If you have a prayer request, please send it to Laws Life Help at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Or if you wanted to um, suggest the topics in that, or if you just wanted to send some information in regards to some of the you know, uh, world news that is happening around the world, you can send that to info at suddenchangescorporation.org. Or if you wanted to become an author or complete some community service, please send me an email and I'll be sure to respond to you. Um, thank you all so much for joining me today. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a good night.